Welcome back to the Get and Grit podcast. I am Brad Pohl, your host, and this is where we tell the stories of sinners and saints. Anticipation is defined as an action. Therefore, it must be something that we live through with some sort of expectation. Paul wrote to the Philippians, If there is any encouragement, any incentive, any participation, then make my joy complete by being of the same mind. We anticipate then, through the Spirit, both this affection and sympathy for the true joy that comes from God alone. You know, there's nothing like anticipating that slap of the nylon net drowned out by the roar of the crowd and the clock reading zeros as a three-point bucket drops in. My favorite, though, has always been the sudden crack of a linebacker meeting a running back at ground zero as their cleats leave the ground. But the most endearing of anticipations in sport has to be the sound of solid hickory slamming against a horsehide ball, that walk-off slam. The roar of the crowd that refuses to go home until the player returns from the dugout after all that can be said has been said, just so we can cheer one final time our victory. In high school, the three-point line is 19 and three-quarter feet, and in the NBA, it is four feet deeper, relatively seconds and decimals of anticipation before the swoosh. The milliseconds that it takes a player to trigger all the extensors of his body and wrapping his arms through the ball carrier is frightfully short. From the wind-up of a pitcher, it takes about a second and a half for the ball to reach home plate. On average, the batter has about four-tenths of that time to recognize, decide, and adjust his swing to make contact once the pitcher has released the ball. Therefore, both the crowd and the batter have an infinitely short yet seemingly forever amount of time in the drama of suspense every at-bat, pitch by pitch. Looking at all this drama, we also know that there are four other players on the floor who could take the three, ten who could bring down the runner, and eight who could have stood in the box with a shaved stick of hickory. It is true that every story needs an element of suspense. question is, who will be the one? Some scholars believe that there are more than 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. These prophecies are specific enough that the mathematical probability of Jesus fulfilling even a handful of them, let alone all of them, is staggeringly improbable, if not impossible. As an example, Isaiah lived about 730 years before Christ. Isaiah 7.14 provides that a young maiden or virgin will give birth to a son, whose name will be called Emmanuel, or God with us, thereby anticipating the incarnation of Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary, as described in Matthew 1 and Luke 1. Similarly, there is in Isaiah 9.6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This passage also anticipates the Incarnation, with a fulfillment being seen in the aforementioned infancy narratives of Matthew 2 and Luke 1, as well as John 1 and John 3. Peter Stoner, chairman of the Departments of Mathematics and Astronomy at Pasadena College, looked at eight specific prophecies about Jesus out of the 300-plus that exist. 
using conservative probabilities for Jesus fulfilling all eight of these selected prophecies, it was just one in 10 to the 17th power. That would be one chance in 10 with 17 zeros behind it, Jimmy. Visualize it like this. Suppose that we take 10 to the 17th power in silver dollars and lay them on the state of Texas. They will cover the entire state two feet deep. Now mark one of these silver dollars and stir the whole mass of coins thoroughly. Take a blind man and tell him that he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick just one silver dollar, and lo and behold, it be the right one. Imagine the anticipation on CNN as they held coverage over the blind man who was chosen to select this prestigious coin, traveling through the state, deciding just where to pick this coin from. Would it be in Bowie or Brazos, Galveston or Gillespie, Tyler or Terry, or any one of the other 248 counties? The chance of getting that right would be like that of the prophets. But we could not bear the suspense. The anticipation levels would cause seizures. Fake histories about the coin would be invented. People would begin to think terrible things about the blind man. And we would lose all concept of hope and sensibility. In short, we would change the channel, put in our ear pods, and play with our phones. Because we don't have the kind of patience our passions so easily overtake us. Apatheia is a Greek word defining a state of mind in which one is not disturbed by the passions. It is best translated as something distinctly positive, like the quality that characterized the sage who looked simply for the joy that was anticipated without any personal tensions that might surround it. Therefore, we could appreciate the buzzer beater, the great hit or the walk-off home run for the sake of the other, just because of the thrill to witness something extraordinary. Now, the Jews anticipated the Messiah being a different kind of king, their own king. And the shepherds themselves, they were no sages. Oh, but on that glorious night, the anticipation created by the heavenly host, the expectation as the shepherds ran from their camp to the stable, led by the encouragement of the Spirit, then their affection for the babe, seeing God with us for the first time, and finally, the sympathy for Mary, bearing her child in a ratty old barn. Yet there was something so much more. There was real joy. True joy can be found in waiting on God, humbly anticipating with expectation, not overrun by our passions, but looking to the interest of others first, yet prepared and ready to explode from our seats, knowing confidently the experience proceeds like that of a child seeing Santa's gifts on Christmas morn. And the exhilaration is like that slap of the net or that sound of hickory on horsehide that resonates in all of us. Victory. Maybe that's why God gave us Christmas, just so we could practice the experience of true joy. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Ain't it so? This is Gettin' Grit, signing off. 
Blessings to you all, and Merry Christmas. Dominus Vobiscum. <laughs>